here at Paul Brown Stadium. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. Welcome everybody to an episode of The Tailgate Show. This is a very special episode. We're really excited to have on with us right now former Bear uh, Sam Acho. Good afternoon, Mr. Acho. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? We're doing really well. Um, we really appreciate you being on. Of course, um, you know, we uh, are, were fans of yours when you were on the team, uh, as we are big Bears fans, and our podcast is about, of course, the Bears. But uh, the reason we want to have you on is because uh, you're inspiring work with the NFL and Roger Goodell and the team and not only, um, you know, the Bears, but the Blackhawks and the White Sox and the Cubs and a number of other teams were involved uh, in this really cool uh, thing that you guys did uh, in Chicago. So we wanted to bring you on and talk about that. And then also you've got a book that's coming out that's available for uh, pre-order right now. We wanted to give you a chance to talk about that to our listeners. And so, um, you know, just welcome aboard. And, you know, so if you could talk a little bit about what you guys did with the NFL, that'd be awesome. Definitely. Well, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I know uh, it's we live in a world now where it just seems like things have changed, like the tectonic plates underneath the, the earth have just shifted. And so me and a couple of players wanted to do something about it. I came back to Chicago a couple of weeks ago and, and I just saw the disparity. And so I said, I need, I need to make some calls. So I called up some teammates, some former teammates, some friends from different teams, and everybody said yes. So when I say everybody, I mean Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson showed up. Jonathan Taves and Malcolm Subban from the Blackhawks showed up. Ryan Archer Diakono and Max Struess from the Bulls showed up. Jason Hayward and Jason Kipnis from the Cubs showed up. Um, Lucas Giolito showed up. It just seemed like people kept on showing up. And we got together and we just listened to some of the kids who were hurting in the community. 
That's awesome. And it's, and it's cool to see because, you know, I think right now we're in this mode where a lot of people are saying a lot. And we, you know, as, as Americans and people watching this and football fans are wondering, well, what's the action look like? You know, what is what does this look like when rubber meets the road, when when Roger Goodell puts out an answer video to that powerful video that he was sent about, you know, wanting action? OK, so what does that look like? Um, and, and what inspired me about it is it's like, you know, I live in in Skokie in the Chicago area and to see real action happening, you know, to to take on the issue, which is so big, of, of there being these food deserts, um, basically, in, in the uh, uh, underserved areas of Chicago in the area, is just, it's, it's awesome. Um, you know, and my thought is, what advice do you give to us as podcasters and fans, and then also maybe what advice do you give to players to use their platform to turn it into more than words and tweets and and, and to put it into action. Yeah, I think the biggest advice I would give would be to use your voice and use the gifts that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I would say use the voice and use the gifts that you have. Uh, so many of us have opportunities to do good. And so what I would say is just to use them, use them. And so if it's your podcast, use your podcast. If it's um, playing football, use that. If it's um, I know for me, like I, so, you know, I, this last season of life has been a difficult one for me. And so out of a lot of pain, uh, I decided to write, I wrote a book and it's called let the world see you. And you can find it at samachobook.com. And I believe anyone who's reads, reads this book is going to experience the same freedom I experience when you use your gifts and you let the world see you. And so my advice would be for people to let the world see them. Awesome. Well, I mean, obviously, we know you from from your time as a player. Um, so we definitely um, wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Bears, you know, because obviously that's the that's the main focus of our podcast. Um, so Brian, I know has some uh, some questions uh, for you regarding football and about the Bears. Well, the the biggest question I have for you is: you were there for Fox, and you were there when Nagy came in, and like as fans, we get these like emotions about things, and I just want to see from a from a player who was involved with that. Was the change in dynamic that significant? I mean, we got Mack in, but but you still had Vic there. So, like, I don't know if it was just the, the next step for Vic's defense or was did Nagy really come in and change the dynamic? Yeah, so I think for me, my first, you know, my opportunity to, with the Bears was with, Coach Nat, was with Coach Fox, excuse me. So Coach Fox and Vic were the people who called. And so, um, obviously, as a defensive player, being with Vic was unbelievable because he just has this brilliant defensive mind. And also Coach Fox, just the way he brought people together, I think was good as well. My last year with the Bears was with Coach Nagy, and there was a, a, a different feel to the team. It's almost like he brought this younger, right? Fox was one of the older coaches in the NFL. Nagy was one of the younger coaches. He brought this younger feel, younger vibe to our team, very much risk-taking and taking chances. And so um, it was just a different feel, but we had a different team at the time. I think when I came in, there was a lot of rebuilding. You saw a lot and a huge influx of free agents, Pernell McPhee, had just been signed and Quentin Demps had just been signed. And we had a lot of new guys coming on the team. And I think after that building that coach Fox did, you saw coach Nagy say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're at. This is where we're going to go. So Sam, you are not retired, right? Like you are still a player that's looking for a job in the NFL, correct? Yeah. So I'm still training. I've been in talks okay. with a couple a couple different teams. Um, but what I've been doing in the meantime, while I wait is to try and invest back in the community. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what, what do you think about this off season and where we're headed in terms of, you know, having a season and, and how that looks uh, going forward? Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because, you know, preseason is supposed to start in two weeks. Right. So reporting, training camp, that starts, that's supposed to start in two weeks from today. And so I know there's a group of players that want to play because if I don't get a chance to play, then I don't get a check. Not only do I get a check, now, now I'm going to get cut without even having a chance to show what I can do. There's also a group of players that say, hey, COVID is real and this could affect me. And so there's a lot of decisions that are being made. And you've got the owners who are saying games must be played no matter what. And so do I think the season will happen? Yes, but I think there are definitely going to be some hiccups. Yeah. Interesting, interesting meetings going on today, as a matter of fact, dealing with that very issue. The players are meeting with the owners today, correct? Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. I'm one of the players in those meetings, and it hasn't happened yet. So, <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you, how, how do you feel as a free agent with all this? How does it affect you as a, as a player, as a person, as opposed to, say, a guy that's uh, signed his – contract or assigned as tender how, how does that affect your outlook yeah well um, as far as negotiations go we have about 10 guys on the executive committee uh 10 guys uh, from different backgrounds some guys are uh, first round draft picks guys like richard sherman right first you know he wasn't a first round pick but second third round pick but multi-year multi-million right one of the stars of the league you've also got guys uh, who we're in the prime of their career as well. Guys who are at the tail end of their career, guys who are younger and older. And so um, when it comes to negotiations, um, you have a lot of different voices and a lot of different uh, mindsets. And that's one of the cool things too. I, uh, uh, I guess not even a year ago, little, little less than a year ago, we were negotiating about the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement. And I've talked about that in the book as well. I call it the chapter called bargaining with billionaires talking about what it's like sitting at meetings with Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft and Art Rooney and, and all these different things. And it just talks about what happens when you show yourself, when you try and show the real you. Cause like I said, sometimes there's people who are at the tail end and they have different things they care about. Some people are at the very beginning and they have different cares, but you got a body of 2000 players. So it's, uh, it's going to be um, a, a challenge to say the least, an opportunity to try and do what's best for all. But I'm glad you asked that question, Jeremy. Thank you. I think that if the CBA had not been signed, this would obviously be a much different situation. When you look at baseball, it's on the precipice of a new laboring uh, uh, agreement. And the, the, obviously the NFL one passed rather narrowly, um, you know, as we all saw. I think that would obviously change things quite a bit if they hadn't just signed a new labor agreement. Can you comment on that a little bit? Yeah, without a doubt. I think, you know, one of the things is, so I think people forget sometimes that we're in a, a pandemic mm -hmm. and the agreement was signed before all the pandemic stuff started happening. And so I think we saw, I got friends who play baseball and who were in those negotiations with owners during a pandemic and the, the tone changed. Right. Owners started saying, well, we don't have enough money and we're not going to give you anything. And imagine trying to negotiate in the middle of a pandemic and no, no one knew that that was going to come. Mm -hmm. I think it was to the player's benefit that a deal was signed when things looked good, when money was right. flowing, that was the conversation. And so, um, yeah, I think that people have talked about, well, what would have happened if 
What would have happened if we were if the deal would have been a no, and now you're trying to negotiate now? I think I think we'd, we'd have had a lot harder time trying to get get more, if you will, right? Than 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 what you did get if you're trying to negotiate in a pandemic, right? And I and I think one one piece to that as well is uh, is the the give and take. You know what I mean? Getting everybody on the same page and and moving forward. And and that's that's one of the things I've learned. Uh, as far as like making change. Well, I think that's, that's what's so, ch- it's a good parallel, I think, with politics in the sense that you have people that are honestly, as, as surprising as it might seem and, and that they should care about it, they don't, you know. Um, you know, in Chicago, people are very, can get very vocal about their feelings about the mayor, but the fact of the matter is the mayoral election had 38% voter turnout. You know, and the and the runoff between uh, Lightfoot and Preckwinkle had a thirty two percent turnout. So it's like people people I think are there's a disconnect between their feelings about things and their their ability to actualize them. You know, and I'm sure yes. that, that that same thing happens in in your own field and with and we saw it on Twitter or, you know, that's the only lens we sort of can view things through is the, 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 the negotiation and the feelings of the players almost played out in real time in front of us. You know, yes. you have some players who just like, you know, they have this platform and without thinking, sometimes they, you know, put themselves out there in a way that becomes detrimental perhaps to their own cause. You know what I mean? And you yeah. See and what I would say to that too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What I, I love that. I love that comment, Aaron, because it's true. I, had a, I was on a call with a, a, a somebody earlier today and he was talking about making change at his college. He said, man, I want to make sure that my voice is heard. I want to make sure my voice is heard. And there's this mindset of, I want to make sure I'm heard. But here's the thing. You can be heard and still there be no change to whatever you're trying to change. So my goal is I want to make sure that change happens. That's why I wrote the book. Right. That's why I wrote the book. That's why we started, my teammates and I started a nonprofit to go and make change in communities. That's why um, we negotiate what we do. I want to talk about change, not just making sure I'm heard. People right. want to make sure their voice is heard. They just talk and talk and talk. And, and at least they, they let it off their chest. But the way I think is, okay, what does change look like? If you, going back to the um, just negotiations, if you say no to one thing, well, you, the whole goal is to, to play football. So even as we're negotiating today, um, later on today and later on this week, and who knows what those that'll look like, we got to figure out what our goal is. Is the goal to play football? Is the goal to stay healthy? What is the goal? And once you negotiate from that lens, your 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 mindset changes from um, just wanting to, to be heard to actually wanting to make positive change. All right. Jeremy, go ahead. At what point, at what point did you realize that, hey, you have a platform? I think me, we're all a little bit older than you, you know, and uh, – being a young man who's probably, you know, your life is football, you know, prior to a certain point. At what point did you realize that, hey, I have a platform and I have, I have, a, I have a way that I can make change? Yeah, no, I love that question. I think for me, uh, it's actually the opposite. I think a lot of people don't realize this about athletes. People say your whole life was bent around football. And for me, it wasn't. It wasn't for a lot of us. It wasn't. Yes, football was part of what I do and it's part of what I do, but it's not, and by no means who I am. Football for me is just a vehicle in which to get the chance to impact people, not only on the field, people talk about impact, but also off the field, impacting people to come together. And so for me, football has always been a vehicle, but as of recently, really about a uh, few years ago, I started realizing, oh, here's how I can use that vehicle for good. That's why I talk about starting nonprofits, talk about 
um, you know, Let the World See You, the book that talks about the joy and the freedom that can come uh, from when you are you and when you don't just subscribe to this notion that all I am is a football player, all I am is a podcaster, all I am is a mechanic. No, you're so much more than meets the eye. And so that's one thing that I've learned um, but it takes, it's a fight because you hear so many people saying, oh, you're football, 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 all you do and all you put you in this box. And for me, that's never been who I am. And so the more I feel people try and put me in the box, the more uncomfortable it, it is. And so in order to kind of spread your wings, um, you have to do the things you were made to do. For me, it's encouraging people, right? Whether it's speaking, writing in the community, doing podcasts, it's encouraging people. And so that's one thing I love to do is I love to encourage. In addition, I love to play, but football's temporary. I love encouraging. Whether I'm on the field or off the field, I'm going to be spending my life encouraging people, whether I'm, I'm speaking about it, I'm doing a podcast about, about it, or writing a book about it. How, do you, how, fee, how feasible do you think it is for the players to be safe? I mean, recently a lot of flack and conversation and back and forth was, was given to this idea that the players will not be allowed to trade jerseys at the end of the game, you know, and of course everybody is very quick to say, okay, well they can sweat on each other and, and share the same air for however long, three hours, but then it's not okay to, you know, and, and you've seen, uh, you know, coaches come out and say these, these, you know, these restrictions are not possible to be followed. How, when you think about going to a camp, when you end up signed with a team and, dealing with that, you know, I mean, cause I'm sure that when you guys were out on, uh, in Chicago doing, you know, uh, doing the good work, even that was probably challenging wearing the masks and the social distancing aspects and, and all of that. How, do, how do you sit there and think, how can we play football with these restrictions? Like, what is, what does that make you think of? Or how do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's difficult because if you tell everyone to social distance at a one one side of your, or your mouth. And you also say, wear masks. But at the same time, you're saying, go play football and go hit each other 60 plays a game for 60 minutes. I think it, it can be difficult. And so I think as of now, a lot of people are having the conversation of trying to fit COVID into our football schedule. But I think the real conversation is how do you fit football? If it's possible, how do you fit football into COVID? And do you feel like the NFL has plans because a, a lot of fans um, have expressed the feeling that there isn't a plan and and my feeling is they haven't released the plans because they don't want them to be ripped to shreds by Twitter and mm. and all the critics and you know because everybody every little thing that leaks out just gets shredded and there's nothing to talk about so that's all people can talk about is is yeah you know, this uh, so my feeling and my hope as a football fan you know and obviously this is a, it's it's non-essential but to some degree, I do think that this country needs something to to focus on that's 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 um, sort of galvanizing, and and sports could be that, even though they are technically non-essential. So, you know, I, I just wonder: Do you feel like the NFL has a plan? As somebody who's a little more on the inside, yeah, no, it goes back to your point, Aaron, of of cancel culture. You're talking about when somebody says something, all of a sudden things are getting ripped to shreds. I think that's the culture we're in right now. Um, for me, and I think for a lot of players, players want to play, but at the same time, players are just like you. Here's what I mean by that. We have mm -hmm. families. 
right? So I'm married, been married for seven years. I got three kids. Uh, I got teammates who have families, kids, parents that live with them, older people who, may, who have been affected by COVID. And so I think when people talk about players in the sense of, well, just go out there and we need you. It's like, we all should also think of the idea of, okay, well, also you're sacrificing something. And I know the other people say, well, we're making millions of dollars. Who cares? But is it worth your life? Is it worth your life? If that's the conversation we're having. And some people say it is, that is a conversation. Some people say it's not the conversation, but if that is a conversation, I think the conversation needs to be had of, is it worth your life? And if, and if there's no COVID and no complications, then it's a moot point. But if, if, if COVID is on the rise and if people are getting sick and dying, um, then I think you have to allow the players to be able to make a different decision. And if it's not, if it's not uh, on the rise, then, then I think it, the decision's pretty easy. Right. Brian, go ahead. Uh, pretty easy question. So as a Bear, like, was it 49 or 93 that you like more? 93, hands down, not even a question, not a question. 49 for me, um, that's how I came into the team. But 93 was when I really came into my own. Yeah. What's, uh, what are some memories, your best memories as a bear, just on the field, off the field, anything, anything you'd like to share? Bear fans listening. Yeah, one of my best memories was just the 2018 season. I actually had a torn peck that year, so I was out for the season after week three. But my, my favorite memory was just spending time with my teammates. And here's what I mean by that. I was injured. I wasn't on the field after the fourth week. And I could have just sat at home and just done my rehab and gone in and left, but I didn't. I went, I went early and spent time with my teammates. We were doing a Bible study. I, guys wanted to learn more about the Bible, learn more about God, learn more about Jesus. So I said, all right, cool, I'll show up. So I showed up and, and started leading that. And then after I do my rehab, they would go to practice. I do my rehab. And then I would, I would spend time with the guys just listening to them, right? As people, as human beings, I travel to some of the away games and just sit with and talk and listen. And, and, you know, it's funny because like, that's me, that's me. And that's why, you know, in, in, in my book, once again, it's, it's called let the world see you. You can pre-order it at sammachobook.com. In that book, I talk about my favorite time as a bear. It wasn't the times on the field. It was those times with my teammates. It was those times listening, loving, learning, that freedom, that joy of being a friend, of doing so much more than what meets the eye. So those are some of my favorite times as a bear. And what was it like when, like, Khalil Mack entered the scene? Like, Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's one of the things I talk about. That's one of the, one of the things I talk about. It was, uh, it was this deal of, at that point, I was the guy and the starter and on the outside, things look good, but on the inside, things were starting to change. I uh, had some situations in the hospital with my wife, complications with the baby come in, and then I got relegated to the bench, and then got injured, then I lost the mentor, passed away, and it just seemed like thing after thing after thing. But that's when I really became who, who I was. And so, um, and, I, and Khalil, seeing him, like he's an unbelievable dude, still a friend to this day, we talk on the phone, and him and Akeem, and like those are like my homies, like my friends, you know? Um, and so just being there for them was really special for me. Uh, this was incredible. It was inspiring. It was, uh, it was really wonderful to see what Sam and the other professional athletes were doing along with the By the Hand organization. And 
um, and bringing people together to help make a change in this community. And, and you could see it in the faces of the young kids, um, how happy they were to have people here believing in them and, and uh, supporting them and, and investing in them. And I think uh, this is going to be uh, a great change in this community, and it's going to fill a big need. And so my hat's off to Sam. Yeah, well, the cool thing about uh, having Roger here, having the mayor here, having the superintendent of the Chicago Police Department here, and having over 12 athletes from all the different Chicago sports team and other, other athletes who are just from Chicago who are on different teams, the NFL and MLB, et cetera, is that people care. It's a time for people to show up. I think our world has changed. It's almost like the, you learn about tectonic plates and things just shift. It's like things aren't going back to the way they were. And so for us to be able to come together and say we're going to lead that change, it means something. was awesome. Thanks for joining us again, Sam Macho. Uh, ended a little abruptly there. Apologize for that. We had some technical difficulties, uh, but still a great interview. I uh, really enjoyed what he had to say, and he did not disappoint at all. Um, you know, that's why he that wanted awesome. to uh, because he is uh, just an amazing person, um, and of course we we got to know him as being a, a, a member of the Bears. But uh, what he's doing off the field uh, is is far more important, and uh, honestly, yeah, you know, extremely impressive. It was just great to be shot with that kind of positivity. Like, it just like it. There's so much negativity going on, and how positive he was. It was just refreshing, man. We kind of need that. I mean, I think this book's coming out at a great time too. Like, let the world see you and just how to be real and, and keep it positive and be able to express yourself. And he just – it was just real, real refreshing, man. The, the, I, need, guy, I need that positivity. That guy is on fire. You could just feel it. He radiates it. He radiates positivity. He radiates just good things. And when you get around people like – that you tend to attract more to you, you know. You don't push people away. They they come to you naturally. And he's just, you can just tell. The dude is straight up. He is on fire. He is loving life. He is he's focused. He knows what he wants, and that's pretty badass, if you ask me. Well, I think what's, what's most awesome about him is that this is pretty much this is who he is like this isn't just who he became you know no. he's not doing this because he can't play football anymore um you know he's still he probably will be on a team um but this is hopefully who, the bears man why not yeah i mean hell we yeah. need a, we, we could use more linebackers that's for sure um you know, I mean, why why wouldn't you want a player like that on on the team? You know, oh, just from a yeah. leadership standpoint, and you know, and I always appreciated his play. Um, and one of the things I think was was telling is as exciting as Khalil Mack coming to the Bears was for us. That I mean, that kind of meant he was out of a job. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it, you know. Like, let's be honest, like, you know, as cool as Khalil Mack coming to town is, it's kind of like, you know, uh, if, you know, it's, I don't know what the equivalent is, but it's like, you know, it's like if all of a sudden uh, in some, some huge media heavyweight joined our podcast, <laughs> it was just like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Oh, like, it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> and you want that. You want the team to, you know, to do well, and you want to want success. But at the same time, like that meant he was that it meant he lost his starting job. 
know, and you know what he didn't, you know what he didn't do? He didn't complain about it. He didn't say anything negative about it. He was a very that's you can learn a lot by the way a person deals with adversity. He dealt with that adversity in a positive way, and he's maintained a friendship with Khalil and maintained a friendship with X. So that's to me that's that shows the kind of man you really are. Right. Well, and that's what he, and I thought that was what was great about what he said is that football is not who he is. It is what he does. And he uses it as a vehicle to, to make change and to, you know, to be more. And I think too often we forget that that's possible, you know, and there are, there are a lot of NFL players that, that football is not, Except when, all, when Cody Parkey said it and he missed that field goal, we weren't trying to hear that. Exactly. No, I mean, I immediately, I absolutely immediately thought of that. You know, it, no. it's, it, it's it's the dichotomy of that. But but we have to remember as fans that they're, they're real though, people. He alluded to right. that. Like we have families. Right. We 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 worried about protecting too. Like yeah, we view these guys as gladiators, but they're just like you and me outside right. of. Outside of the financial side of it, they're human and beings. He said that you know that they view it the same way we do. They're on Twitter just like us. We've seen Alan Robinson say, "Well, I guess we find everything out on Twitter." There is a lot of commonality between the way that everybody is trying to navigate the world right now, and yeah. just because these guys, you know, have these amazing athletic abilities and have this opportunity to play a game that everybody loves, doesn't mean that on on some core level they're different than us you know in a lot of ways and I just think I I thought that immediately the Cody Parkey thing you know how how when he said that it was just like not acceptable um you know and it's all about context I mean for for him to say that at that moment was was just it was like he was trying to discount the the loss and say you know what like and, and you know it, it's it sucks to hear that as fans, and I think it was probably frustrating to some players. But I think more players probably got what he was saying when he said that um, than than they. Yeah, because if he did. if he would have hit the field goal, I'm sure he would have said the same thing. Like I'm sure that's really him. Right, you know I mean? right. But we don't want to, and, and you know, we don't want to hear that. Obviously, like we we as fans put a lot of our energy into being fans. Um, you know, and obviously players put a ton of energy into being players, but it's also just a job and they cannot have that mentality. They can't like, if, if, yeah, if they're we, wired differently than we are when it comes but, to, but this. if they, but if, the, if we, it's, it's, it's naive. And I think honestly a little silly for us to expect players to act as if football is everything because they have to go out and play again. You know, and the, like, the average career isn't long. Like you need to be prepared for the next phase right. of your your life too. Like you can't, you know, as a player, you cannot take that whatever failure you have into the next play, into the next day, into the next game, into all that. So if they really, you know, if we're really expecting players to like live, breathe, eat, die football, they can't do it. Like they can't make it. Like they'll 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 literally crack. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard guys criticize because they're not using their platform enough, and guys, you know, it's just like you can never win. But the well, the way he's doing right. it, man, he, he's he's absolutely just doing great things, man. It's just it was just awesome to hear. I just think of myself at in my thirties, my younger thirties, the younger to mind to 
do what he is doing and say what he's saying. It's not common. It's not. I think we should appreciate the fact that it's not a common thing. We see it all the time. We see it on Twitter. We see it on Facebook. You know, we see it on all sorts of social media. It's for him to have the presence of mind to know that I do have the opportunity. I do have the platform. I am going to use it for good. It's pretty amazing. It really is in my eyes. And I think to to do something as permanent and bold as as writing a book, you know, I think a lot of people sort of poo-poo, you know, oh, they're just going to write a book or whatever. But a book lives, you know, forever, right? I mean, you know, to right. just to put yourself out there and to put your beliefs and your your story on paper to do it in hopes that it helps people is a lot more powerful than a tweet or a podcast or a 20-minute segment on a, on a show or even, you know, I mean, because that book, I mean, that can, that book could become curriculum in a class. You know, you never know how many, how yeah. many. It's not just uh, like an autobiography because I was an athlete. It's like, it's a right. real, it's a book of change. Right. And, you know, so I just think, and, and that's what I liked. I liked the answer that he gave, you know, because I said, well, what do you, what, what do you think you can – and how do you think you would tell people who want to, to be the change to be the change? And it's it's sometimes it's stupid because it's so simple. It's just like just do it. You know what I mean? Like he's got a phone full of contacts. He's got the uh, opportunity and the availability to, to, uh, to address a problem, and he's got the opportunity to, to bring together all these people. So it, it really was – it was really simple. And it's just a matter of these people stepping up and joining joining him to do it. You know what I mean? And that's what that's what leadership looks like. It's not sit in the back and tell people where to go. It's be in the front and say, "Let's go this way," you know. Um, and and that's you know, it's just it's inspiring. Yeah. Um, and and I you know I, I applaud him for it I applaud Mitch for it uh, you know all the players that he mentioned um, Goodell didn't have to be there <laughs> this wasn't like a and I think I think it's important to realize no, that he didn't. I think it's important to realize that that this was not an NFL thing this was Sam <laughs> getting this together and and one one player who's not a star you know. But through his own intentionality and the way that he lives his life, has has made these relationships, mm-hmm. and so he's inspired this to happen. You know what I mean? It's not you know it's not the NFL going out and shooting a commercial. It's not it's not the mayor or the police department, you know, shooting a commercial or whatever. And so I think that's probably the most inspiring part about it is. You know, if they can really do something like changing a liquor store to a grocery store, how big of a deal that is, you know, Um, because when you, you know, you you look at in in all around this country, in rural and urban areas, there are huge parts of of this country where where poor people don't have access to to simple things like food, (laughs) And you think like, how can that be in the richest country in the world that that people can't even get to a grocery store, you know? 
um, people can't buy uh, anything but a fast food or, you know, cigarettes or Twinkies or chips, you know, and things like that. And it's because there just isn't that option. I mean, these things are just not, they're not there. So, yeah, it was awesome, man. It was awesome that Sam joined us. Great dude. Yeah. So, well, we appreciate that. Um, you know, of course, uh, please go out and support him, um, support his book. Um, you know, he, he does have a website. You can go to uh, samachobook.com, uh, and you can pre-order the book now. It doesn't release until October 13th, but it's called Let the World See You. Um, you can pre-order at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart, Apple Books. I mean, really, anywhere you can order a hardcover or a, an ebook. Um, you can find it, you know, and he's got, um, you know, lots of, uh, lots of people endorsing it, you know, from George McCaskey to Kurt Warner to, um, you know, coach Mac Brown to, you know, just, it's, um, it's inspiring. You know, he did, you know, he's doing good work. Uh, he's a great guy. And, you know, obviously we, we know about him because of his bears, um, playing days, but, you know, I, I just I encourage everybody as I, you know, kind of inspired myself to look more into who these players are as people, you know, try to find out who they are, um, you know, besides their stats and besides their fantasy, you know, uh, numbers, because yeah, there are there are people out there doing things. And thanks again, Sam, for coming on and just uh, having a really good conversation with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we reached out and I've blown away, and that's just the kind of guy he is, and that tells me a whole lot about the person that he's going to be post the NFL. I think he'll do bigger and better things outside of the NFL. He's already done great things now, while being an active player in the NFL. He didn't have to say anything to us, but he was right, like, right. he was down for it. It's like. Right on. And to take that time, the guy's got meetings, you know, with the NFLPA and the owners <laughs> later today to take today, time with us yeah. is awesome. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, I, and I didn't even do it justice. The full title is Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes. Like, what a great title. I think, I think every day we're all trying to do that. You know what I mean? We do this show because we like it and we love to, to talk shit and to, you know, have a good time talking about the team that we love. And we do it for the friendship that we have with each other. But in the, yep. but the other reason we do it is because we hope that our voice, whatever it may be about this resonates with people and that people enjoy it. I mean, that's ultimately what the, the, the concept of, of a, of a tailgate is it's people yeah, we, we enjoy it. We hope others do too. Yeah. Right. Who, who share interests. And so, you know, you're not always going to agree with what we say. We don't agree with what each other says on this show all the time, you know? Um, but if doing something like this can, can open the, your eyes to something else like Sam's book or something else that, that might give you hope, because I think, I mean, I'll be honest, there's, there's, it's hard to find things to be hopeful about right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Whether it's something yeah. very trivial like football or, or bigger things. It's hard to, you know, to find things to show our kids and go, hey, look, something's good is going on. You know what I mean? Um, and so this is this is a, a, a chance to do that. And so I hope that people 
follow Sam and follow what he's doing and, you know, and, and check out the book and you get inspired to do to do your own things. And follow guidelines. Stay safe out there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's just keep let's 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 stay in the fight with this, you know, because we want to get back to normal life. You know what I mean? Like, stay in the fight. Do what do what needs to be done, and and you know, don't be selfish. You know, be about be about the person that you don't know that you might be protecting. So, uh, thanks, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. And it's just uh, another episode. Just another very special episode of Very Special The Tailgate Show. The Change. The Book. SamachoBook.com. <laughs> <laughs>